just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. I'm still dealing with a little bit of a cold. I'm not in any pain. I just got a stuffy nose. And you know, it's funny. I was listening to the last podcast I did yesterday. And I'm listening to my voice. And I'm very in tune with my voice, having been in radio for all these years. But when I listened to the last podcast, it reminded me of those old-time FM DJs back in the 70s. Remember the... the uh, uh, FM band was just starting to come around. Some popular stations were starting to show up there. And in fact, if you had a car and only an AM radio, you had to have a separate little box that you put in your car to get FM in the car. Yeah, back in those days. But on those FM stations back in the day, you always had these guys with low voices and just really mellow. You know, they'd say, we've got a double shot of Steely Dan coming your way. On WCAF, cool as fuck radio. <laughs> I always wished I could have done that. That really wasn't in the cards for me, but uh, I'm sounding a little more mellow, a little more resonant, and uh, a little calmer, which I don't know if I like. It's funny, I was never happy with the resonance of my voice until I had a cold, but then it sounded so unnatural that it really wasn't me. So just bear with this for a little bit. I'm me. Uh, my voice sounds a little different, but it could sound worse. Trust me on this. I've been in situations where the voice has sounded way fucking worse when I've had a cold. But let's get down to uh, what we're getting down to. We're going to start out with an email. And uh, this is coming from Steve. He says, hey, my brother, what's up, dude? It's Steve. What's up, dude, was me. He said, hey, my brother, I felt like I had to answer. It's Steve underscore 563 from TikTok. Let me start by saying I really love the podcast. I listen daily. Got my wife, my 30-year-old son, and one of his friends tuning in as well. Well, that's impressive because I can tell you some people who don't listen to this podcast. My wife... (laughs) my 34-year-old son or my 28-year-old son. And I've asked him about that. I go, why don't you tune in? Why don't you listen? And they'll say, we hear your shit all day. We know exactly what you're going to say. We don't need to listen to the podcast. And I always say, hey, thanks for the support. (laughs) Then he says, you've got us all saying the word Trumplifucks. You know, all these guys on TikTok and on the radio, they always have these catchphrases that people identify them with. And of course, the one people identify me with is Trumplifox. Yeah, I kind of made it up. I do say it a lot, but there probably could have been a cooler catchphrase for me. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. He says, I'm really enjoying the shows with you and Ed. Good to hear. I think I'm recording another one with him today. A show or two back, you guys mentioned the Fairness Doctrine and uh, just touched on it, a subject I know nothing about, and I don't know a lot about it, but I know some. Could you please elaborate more on what the law was about that, what Americans could do to get it back, 
and what effect, if any, would it have on these bullshit fake news channels? I'm not a big fan of censorship in this country, but I feel something needs to be done with Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, who on a daily basis tell outright slanderous lies about people and subjects. Anywho, keep up the good work on the TikToks and the cool-ass podcast. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, thank you very much, Steve. I appreciate that. The Fairness Doctrine... It was something I kind of learned about way back in the day when I first got into radio. And I can give you some of the basics on it. It just just had some restrictions on broadcasting. Like, um, if you owned a radio station, you couldn't own two radio stations in one town. You couldn't own radio stations and TVs. There were a lot of restrictions on what you could own, mainly because if you owned everything, then you pretty much dictated what people heard and uh, were able to influence those people unduly. So there was a lot of restrictions with that. You had the equal time thing, too. So if I went on a rant here on Donald Trump and he was president and Joe Biden was running against him, if I was on a radio station, if I ranted about Donald Trump, then uh, they would want to have equal time to rant about Joe Biden. And if I was a broadcast facility licensed by the federal government, I would have been required to give them that equal time, whether I wanted to or not. So there were a lot more restrictions, not only on ownership and what you could broadcast, and there was a certain amount of fairness to it. And it did distribute distribute truth a little bit better than it does. Right now, it's just the Old West in broadcasting or in cable. You can own as many as you want. You can do whatever the fuck you want. I remember when I first got my my license. Now, this was back in the day when I was on the radio. Uh, everybody wanted to get a first-class radio telephone license. It was like getting a, a bachelor's degree in radio because a lot of times you would get it and there was really no reason for it unless you worked on a directional station or whatever. It was just kind of like saying, I made the extra effort to get the first-class license. Um, but that doesn't even exist anymore. I think all you do is sign up for it. They send you a card and you hold it for five years and then you send it back in and they send it back to you. There are no tests. I mean, between my junior and senior year, I, uh, I spent the whole summer studying and memorizing tests to get my second class license and my first class license. Ultimately, it was only valuable to me in one spot when I worked at this little radio station, um, down around, well, in New Prague, Minnesota, for that matter, KCHK. Uh, It was a directional station, and so in order to be able to turn on the transmitter and turn off the transmitter, you had to have at least a second-class license. So that got me the job. When I came back from Arizona, I uh, needed a job, but I didn't want to live outside my folks' house because that was fucking cheaper. Now, New Prague's a pretty good drive from Minneapolis, but uh, the gas at the time was a lot cheaper than the fucking rent. Now, I did go back, and in retrospect, the rent probably would have been better because I had to deal with my father. But, you know, you're fucking young. You're 20 years old. What the fuck do you know? So anyway, Steve, I don't know if I've given you a full explanation of it. You know who probably will know more about it is Ed. And if we record today and do a show, I'll specifically ask him about that and see what he can explain. Or you know what I could do. 
This sounds crazy. I could just Google that motherfucker and get a better sense of what it is. Because I understand it. I just don't know how to explain everything in it. I don't know all the things that make up the fairness doctrine. But I think it was Reagan who got rid of it and let everything run wild in broadcasting. And it changed everything. So uh, we don't have those kinds of restrictions. And uh, it's not going well because of that. All right, let's get down to business here, see what's happening out there. Well, you know, before I do that, I want to say this. This is a very momentous day on the Rational Boomer podcast, and I bet you don't know why. Today is the one-year anniversary of the beginning of the Rational Boomer podcast. Now, I'm not looking for pats on the back. I wanted to do this. I love doing the podcast, and that's all I really need from the podcast. That said, we older folks can learn a lesson from what happened with me here. And I talked about this a little bit with my family and what they thought about the TikToks and the podcast. I'd been doing a lot of political writing and some videos on Facebook, but I started to get bored. I had a pretty good audience, I think 2,000 followers, and I got a lot of pushback and a lot of support and it was kind of fun but you know there's a lot of old high school friends and family friends and frankly it got me in trouble with my family (laughs) i've told you the story before i have a relative who's an evangelical christian and i had made some comments you know nothing serious other than that evangelical christians are enemies of this country and they took exception to it and they got mad at me and i haven't talked to them since but that's all right because i don't like the motherfucker Anyways, what I really wanted to do was a podcast. So I'm on Facebook, but I want to do a podcast. Now, here's the interesting thing. I've done podcasts before. When podcasts first came around about 15 years ago, I heard that it was happening, and I saw how it was being done. And after all the time I spent in radio, and I was currently working in radio at the time, I thought, you know, what I'm doing doesn't afford me any creativity. And if you can really do podcasts, maybe I can do some things I really want to do. Um, Maybe not get paid for them or anything like that or or not even get that many listeners. So I created about four or five different podcasts, and it was a pain in the ass to keep them all running. But 15 years ago, I did some podcasts. I did one with a psychic. I did one uh, on money. I did one... Um, on Ghost Hunters. I, I had a lot of them, really. And they were just kind of interesting and kind of fun. And and I did them. So I had a sense about podcasts. But I was fairly prophetic about it. I remember telling somebody at the time, because I was really into radio, and I liked the whole idea of the Internet. So I said, you know what? This podcast thing is going to be big. It's going to overtake radio at some point. Radio is a dying business, And uh, this affords people on-demand capabilities and more narrow casting as opposed to broadcasting. And everybody looked at me, yeah, yeah, I don't know what the fuck a podcast is. But all these years later, now podcasting is certainly more mainstream. We've got a lot of listeners and a lot of podcasts. So being that I had some experience in it, and I really believe that podcasting was the future of broadcasting or narrow casting, as it were, Um, I really wanted to do a podcast, but I knew I couldn't really just 
say, I'm starting a podcast and hope to God people find me because that's, that's not going to work. I knew that wasn't going to work. I knew enough about trying to build an audience and uh, trying to get people to listen. I didn't even know what to fucking name it, you know? I didn't even know what I was going to talk about. I just wanted to talk about something. So I sat down and kind of strategized in my mind. You know, you can start the podcast and get these CEO or SEO experts and all this other stuff and spend money on affiliate marketing and all that shit. I didn't want to do that. I'm too lazy to do that shit. So I thought to myself, you know, what I should try to do I'm hearing that the place where people get the largest audience the quickest is on TikTok. And I figured I'd go on TikTok, see if I can get some following, get an audience, and then try to transfer some of that audience over to the podcast, with the podcast being the end game. So that was my plan. I'm going to get on TikToks, do what I do. Now, since I've been talking about politics and all these things going on, I thought, okay, I'm just going to do that. Because that's the one thing I can talk a lot about every day, all day. And uh, then I had to come up with a name. I kept hearing all these people putting down boomers. And they were right to do it because some of these boomers were irrational. So I thought, well, I'll just go the opposite. I'm a boomer, but I'm rational. Rational boomer. So I went with that because I couldn't come up with anything better than that. And I decided I was going to do three or four or maybe five TikToks a day. And I did it religiously every day. Now, when I first started doing it, I didn't tell anybody. Because, you know, here's a 61-year-old guy on a kid's app doing what he's doing, hoping against hope he'll get some followers. But after a time, I started to get followers, and some people found out I was doing it. And i got to be honest with you, they weren't too supportive. They thought it was silly. They thought it was a waste of time. They didn't think it was something I should be doing. I tried to explain the strategy and what was going on, and they didn't get it. They didn't have the vision I have on this, mainly because this isn't their thing. But I do what I do. I don't listen to shit. And I said, fuck it, I'm going to keep doing it. You can believe that this is a bad idea, but in my head, I know it's a good idea. So that's what I'm going to do. So I did, I did TikToks for uh, about a year before I got into doing the podcast. And in that year, I was able to garner 100,000 followers. I thought, by now, shit, I'd be able to transfer people over to a, a podcast, and maybe I'll be on to something. So at the, about the year mark, I started the podcast. Well, actually, it was a little more than a year, um, probably a year and a half. Um, and right now on TikTok, I'm at about 149,000 followers. So that's fucking amazing. Far greater than I ever thought would happen. And I don't know why that happened. So it was an opportune time to start the podcast, promote it on TikTok, hopefully get people to go to the podcast, hopefully some word of mouth, all that sort of thing. Now, when I went on TikTok, I was very particular about this. I saw all these people doing great edits and dancing and singing and trying to be funny and do all those things. And I knew I couldn't do any of those things. And those things I could do, I couldn't do it on a consistent basis every day. So I said, you know what? I'm going to throw caution to the wind. I'm going to park my ass in a chair, put the camera in front of my face, 
and just talk. And hopefully the content will carry the popularity as opposed to all the fancy stuff that some people do. Now, the whole idea of what I was doing, what I was talking about, who I was and how I did it, didn't really suggest that there was going to be any great success with it. But I said, fuck it, I'm just going to do it this way. This is the way I can do it consistently and a lot of times, and we'll see if over time I can get followers. And as I said, I did. Right now, I'm about 149,000 followers. So I started the podcast. I promoted it on TikTok, and uh, then more people came over to the podcast, and more people came over to the podcast. I'll be honest with you, the podcast isn't huge right now, but there's a lot of people listening, and that's all that's really important to me. I'm not looking to make big bucks off of it. Now, down the road, if I can make money off of it, trust me, I'm a capitalist. I will make money off of it, but... That wasn't the point. The point was, could I actually pull off what my plan was? And all the time I'm doing the plan, I've got people telling me, you're too old to be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. Uh, There are a lot of people that disagree with the things I say, and they'll come up with critiques. My brother's actually a big fan of the TikToks and the podcast because he'd like to be doing the same thing, but he works for a big company, and he'd probably be fired if he did what I did. I'm looking forward to the time he retires because he and I might be a good match in a podcast. But anyway, a lot of people will go to him and say, I hear your brother's got a podcast or he's on TikTok. <laughs> and and they'll say, he shouldn't do that. He shouldn't swear so much. Now, keep in mind, the people that are talking to him grew up with us and they swear more than fucking anybody. They just don't like the fact that somebody who has... Um, a reasonable mind and isn't ranting and raving and going crazy is talking about stuff that is contrary to what they believe that irritates them that upsets them (laughs) so my point of bringing this up isn't to celebrate the one year of the podcast i mean what have we done 246 podcasts something like that in one year that's a lot of fucking podcasts that's the other strategy I wasn't so talented that I could do one a week and become hugely popular. It was about content, and it had to be a lot of content and consistent content. And thankfully, because I'm talking about the news and politics and so much shit is going on, I never run out of topics. I never run out of material. So that's worked out. But the point I'm trying to make here by bringing this up at all is something that's important for people of our age. And I say that because I know the vast majority of the people that listen to the podcast are probably in their late 40s to maybe 60, maybe a little younger than I am. There are people my age and a little older, too. And there's some young bucks out there. There's some young bucks out there and young ladies out there that are listening, and I appreciate it immensely. I can't get my own kids to listen, but thank you for listening. But the point is, is that so often people want to do things, especially when they get older or when they retire, and they're afraid of doing it. They're afraid of failure. They're afraid of what other people will think. And this is what I'm going to tell you. It doesn't matter if you fail, first of all. Fail is just a learning process. If you do something and you fail, you step back and you say, okay, I failed. What am I going to do to do it differently to not fail? And you keep doing that until you don't fail. 
Secondly, you don't listen to anybody tell you what you should or shouldn't do or can or cannot do. I worked in radio all of my life. I know what I can do on TikTok. I know what I can do on the podcast. And nobody out there is smart enough or smarter than me can, uh, can tell me what I can do. So I don't listen to that shit regardless of who it is. And then it's a matter of taking the plan and working the plan and being very disciplined about it. Keep doing it. Have enough confidence in yourself to know that you have a good plan, a good strategy. So just work the plan and work the strategy. And that's what I did. My point is, any one of you can do exactly the same thing. It's maybe not about money. It's just about doing something you want or you like. But you should do it. Don't listen to what other people tell you because they'll just drag you down and give you excuses for not trying. Have a plan, work the plan to the T, and it will work out ultimately. You might falter here and there, but all you do is you wipe yourself off and say, look, okay, that didn't work. I'm going to try this instead. I had to do that with the TikToks on a number of occasions. I tried some different things, and then I found out what works, and then I just stuck with that. So if you're older, or even if you're younger out there in the uh, podcast land, as it were, I would say, do what you want to fucking do. Make a plan and do it regardless of what anybody says. It's about your life, enhancing your life, maybe making money, whatever the fuck it is, it doesn't matter. Just do it. And don't tell me you can't, because I know you can I'm certainly nobody special here. Uh, granted, I have some experience in radio, but you don't have to start a podcast. In fact, don't start a podcast. <laughs> no, do start a podcast. I, I was going to kid about competition, but there really is no competitions in podcasts because it's all on demand. Uh, we can listen to everybody's podcast if we want to. So anyway, that's the point of it. This is the year anniversary for the Rational Boomer Podcast, and I want to thank you all for continuing to listen to make it worthwhile for me to actually do the podcast. Without you coming and listening, I'm just an idiot talking to myself, so I appreciate it immensely. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about and running a little long on this first part which is commonly the case. <laughs> I, uh, You know, we've got a lot of things going on with Ukraine, of course. Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to testify today. In fact, by the time you listen to this, she may have already testified. We'll talk a little bit about that. We've got... Um, oh, I wanted to bring one thing up, too. A few days ago, Mike Lindell came out and said, Oh, coming up on Thursday... We got the preliminary injunctions coming out. There's going to be some surprises. It's going to shake up the world. <laughs> okay. I mean, everything else he's ever said has never come to fruition, but uh, okay, we'll give him a shot. Well, today is Friday, and we haven't heard one peep out of Mike Lindell. And what's amazing about this is that there are so many people that still think he's the second coming, that everything he says is legitimate, that he has credibility. But he's a lot like QAnon. Everything he says doesn't come true, but somehow these fucking idiots continue to believe him. What the fuck is wrong with people? 
Now, on a TikTok, I made an offer to Mike Lindell. He won't take it up. He probably won't even hear it, but I'll give it to him here on the podcast just in case. It just so happens that where I live is about 15 minutes away from the headquarters for my pillow, Mike Lindell's uh, little business there. So he's only really 15 minutes away. And maybe he's going to say, well, the mainstream media, the lamestream media, the libtards won't let the information get out. They're icing me out in the media. I doubt that's true, but if it is, okay, I got you, Mike. How about this? You DM me or whatever the fuck you're going to do. And uh, I don't have an audience like CNN, MSNBC, or Fox or anything like that. But I got a pretty sizable audience. And maybe we can get something to go viral. If Mike Lindell comes out and has all this earth-shattering evidence, clearly it's going to go viral. So I'll tell you what I'll do, Mike. You pick a time. I will drive down to your headquarters 15 minutes away. I'll meet you in the parking lot. I'll pull out my phone. I'll go to TikTok Live, and I'll record it for the podcast, too. And I'll just let you go. Let you go and let you show us all the evidence. Show us what you've got. Shake the world up. And I'll give you that platform to do it. And I won't stop you. I won't censor you. I'll let you go as long as you want to go. Now, of course, this won't happen because Mike Lindell probably won't hear this. And even if he does hear it, he's not going to do it. He's going to look down his nose at this little podcaster or this little TikTok guy. But my point is, Mike, just fucking tell us something. All these months, two years since the election, and you're still ranting about this earth-shattering evidence But much like the other people who are ranting about the same things, not one shred of evidence has ever been shown. Nobody's ever shown it. We haven't seen jack shit. You keep promising, and for whatever reason, these people still keep following you, even though you're the boy that cried wolf. You never come through with fucking anything. I said when I first heard that he had this evidence and he was going to bring it to the public on Thursday, I said, it's never going to happen. First of all, evidence doesn't exist. There is no evidence for this, so he can't do it. I mean, in his own little uh, telethon he did, he did throw some information up, but his own people, his own experts said, yeah, that's, that's, that's nothing. That's bullshit. So even on your own show, on your own platform, you couldn't come up with evidence. Now we're supposed to believe that you will come up with evidence? Well, clearly you haven't. You're a joke, Mike Lindell. Why don't you just shut the fuck up and go away? You've almost destroyed your business. You've probably lost a ton of money. Why not cut your losses and just fucking move on? Hopefully you won't be tied into some of these criminal activities in the insurrection. you got enough problems with your lawsuit with Dominion, who's going to take you for a billion six. So don't you have enough problems, Mike? Come on. You don't have any evidence. Stop telling us you do and stop teasing these dumb fucks that believe you. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right, let's get down to the uh, big story of yesterday. And this one's going to hang around a bit. This one's going to cause some problems 
for the Republican Party, specifically Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. Now, there are two New York Times writers, I don't know their names, but they just came out with a new book. Maybe it's not out yet, but it's going to be, and they're letting bits and pieces of the book out into the media. The name of the book, I believe, is This Will Not Pass, and there's some juicy shit in this book, apparently. There is a point in the book where they talk about McCarthy considering pushing for the 25th Amendment to get Donald Trump out of office after January 6th. And he had been talking to Liz Cheney about this, and they were even talking about maybe going to Donald Trump and have him resign or ask him to resign. Now, when that information came out, Kevin McCarthy said, no, that's a lie. That didn't happen. That's not true. Well, so what happens next is these uh, authors go on TV and they bring tapes. And it shows that Kevin McCarthy was just flat out lying. He, in fact, did say these things. As more information, text messages, phone calls come out, up to the time of January 6th and after January 6th, we are getting a better picture of what was going on with the Republican Party at that time. We had no idea. We had the insurrection. It was just going crazy. Right after the insurrection, of course, on January 6th, both Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy spoke out against the insurrection, admitted it was an insurrection, and even spoke out against Donald Trump. They said that Donald Trump bore some responsibility in this insurrection. Now, as I said, this information about Kevin McCarthy and Liz Cheney talking and the prospect of a 25th Amendment or asking Donald Trump to resign came out in the book. And, of course, Kevin McCarthy denied it, said it was a lie. And then all of a sudden, a recording of that call between Liz Cheney and Kevin McCarthy came out. It was a call that was happened right after the insurrection, and it was just released yesterday. And on the recording, Kevin McCarthy and Liz Cheney were seriously talking about the 25th Amendment. Now, it's not really on them. The cabinet really has to do that, I believe. Um, but uh, they can pressure things and they can do whatever they're going to do. And, and um, Kevin McCarthy asked a question about whether or not they would continue with the 25th Amendment if he was no longer in office. Now, Liz took that as suggesting uh, that maybe Trump was going to resign. McCarthy said that he was telling, uh, considering telling him that the House will impeach him, and there's a good possibility that the Senate would convict him, so he should resign. Now, I don't know if he actually did this, but he was clearly talking about it with Liz Cheney. And so... Liz Cheney was wondering, if you're worried about him not being there when the 25th Amendment is enacted, are you thinking he's going to resign? And Kevin says, well, you know, I'm thinking about talking about him, talking to him about this, uh, but I don't honestly know if he'd take that advice. You know him. We all know him. He probably won't take that advice. I'm, I'm guessing uh, that he wouldn't do that. 
But then the tide turns in the Republicans' uh, world, and they didn't convict him in the Senate, as Kevin McCarthy thought they might. The question is, why didn't they convict him? Well, I'll tell you why they didn't convict him and why Kevin McCarthy didn't ask him to resign and they didn't push for the 25th Amendment. It was because uh, Republican voters didn't seem to give a shit. They didn't care what Donald Trump did, no matter how egregious, how blatant it was. They didn't care. Remember the whole Mueller report thing. They kept trying to say that the Mueller report exonerated Donald Trump. Well, that is not fucking true. In that Mueller report, there were 10 separate occasions where Donald Trump was obstructing justice. Mueller himself said, we can't do anything because he's president now, but once he leaves, it's theoretically possible that he could be charged with those crimes. That is what was said in those hearings with Mueller. There was no exoneration. There never was. But that's what Republicans do. They gaslight. They try to uh, control the narrative. And when they control the narrative, uh, they can drown out what is ultimately the truth. So instead of doing the right thing, they decided to do what would get them votes. They didn't want to do the right thing, even though they knew it, and they admitted they knew it in those recordings. Kevin McCarthy knew what the deal was. He knew what should have been done. He didn't want to do it, but that was his job. I mean, this guy wants to be the Speaker of the House. you got to step up and be a man about things. But not Kevin McCarthy. He's not about that kind of shit. So he was worried about keeping the uh, toothless red meeting base happy. So what he did instead is he diverted, distracted, and did nothing. And then McCarthy had the audacity to censor his colleague, the lady he was talking to in that phone call, Liz Cheney. He basically hung her out to dry along with Adam Kinzinger. It's fucking maddening when you think about it. These people knew what was going on. They knew what was the right thing to do, but they chose not to do it because it might hurt their chances of maintaining their power or regaining their party their power. The Republican Party is going to get taken down for this. I mean, I've said this all along. We're going to have a lot of information released over the next several months leading up to the midterms. The Republicans, when this is all said and done, they are going to look horrible. They are going to look very bad. And anybody in the middle an independent, nobody's going to vote for Republicans. And here's the crazy thing about it. Had they done what they were talking about by getting Donald Trump out of office by hook or crook, this whole thing wouldn't be nearly the mess it is. There may be no reason to investigate the members of Congress. We got Donald Trump out. But now we've got all these members of Congress on the hook and may possibly get expelled or made to not be able to run for office again. And uh, they're fucked in this situation. This could be really bad news for um, Kevin McCarthy when he's caught lying like this and looking weak and speaking badly about Donald Trump. It's conceivable that he could be asked to step down from his leadership role as minority leader in the House. This guy wants to be the Speaker of the House, and he may not even be able to hold on to the minority uh, slot 
that he's currently in. They fucked up when they didn't put people on the January 6th committee. Remember that? This is another place where Kevin McCarthy fucked up. When they were forming the committee, they could have set up a bipartisan committee and uh, he could have placed people on the committee and it could have been uh, a better situation for the Republicans because at least you would have somebody on the committee to uh, create some chaos or mix things up or try to drown things out. But he thought better of that. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pout. I'm going to be, uh, I'm more important than that. We are more powerful than that. We don't need to do that. I can guarantee you right now, Kevin McCarthy is rethinking that and is not very, not very happy about that choice. That was a dumb choice. Kevin McCarthy is not the brightest man in the world. He's making stupid choices, and he's risking the future of the Republican Party. If he thinks that's going to get him as Speaker of the House, well, that motherfucker is in a dream world. It's not going to help him. Kevin McCarthy looks bad to Democrats, always has, always will, but now the Republicans are looking sideways at him. And i got to imagine... There's going to be a call from Donald Trump. Now, he can go say and keep Donald Trump happy by saying, oh, I never wanted to get him out of office. But now the recording comes out. He lied. It's impossible for him to deny it at this point. And this is going to infuriate Donald Trump. And, of course, we're going to start hearing some shit from Donald Trump. I'm almost thinking it's going to be like WWE wrestling, or actually way back to AW wrestling, AWA. Uh, that was a local one here, and 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 it was it was it was ridiculous. It was stupid. I loved it when I was a kid, but you know there'd be videotape of somebody cheating, and the the first thing they'd come out and say, "Oh, they doctored the tape." <laughs> I'm going to be entertained if they try to go with that one on this situation. All right, so the next topic is another fucked up topic and another Republican looking to destroy himself. So the state Senate in Florida voted to take away Disney's special tax district. It was a special deal that they set up in 67 when they were starting to open up, and it was giving them a break on taxes and allowing them to have some autonomy and run their own area. It'd be like they're a separate little town and they could run it themselves. And the reason they did that is they wanted to encourage... um, Disney World to be built in Florida. I mean, it's probably the biggest destination for tourists in all of Florida. And we're talking about a state that depends a lot on money from tourists in order to keep their economy going. But now, they went to the Senate and they voted to take away those special tax district from Disney. Now, the next thing it'll do is it'll go to the Florida House, and that is controlled by the GOP, so it will likely pass. Then it will be sent to the desk of Governor Ron DeSantis. Since he's the one that started this whole thing, he's likely to sign it too, and then it will be a done deal. And uh, if that happens that way, then... Disney's fucked. They're paying more taxes. A lot of people that work for Disney will no longer work for Disney. Disney. Give me an example. 
If they take away this special district and this autonomy, they have a fire department for Disney World. They're owned or they're run and they're paid for by Disney. Okay? Well, if they take away this special tax district, now Florida, the state of Florida or the city of Orlando or whatever, is going to have to provide the fire department. So all these people that work for the fire department or whatever policing facility they have on Disney, they're going to lose their jobs and it's going to have to be picked up by local government, which means it's going to cost local government more money. So I have a feeling of what's going to happen here. It passed the Senate. It will likely pass the House. And then it will go to his desk. Ron DeSantis. Now, Ron DeSantis is a little more than a bully, you know? He's like Vladimir Putin. He's like Donald Trump. He doesn't really like to fight because he's a coward. So what he does is he walks up to somebody and makes a severe threat. And he's assuming that they will curl up and die and give him whatever he wants. But Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump, and now Ron DeSantis are finding a different situation. That plan isn't working. So instead of backing off of it, like they should in that case, because they've lost, they played a game of chicken, and they fucking lost, instead of risking losing, they then ramp it up and make the threat bigger. And that's all they know how to do, is make the threat bigger and bigger and bigger until they fuck themselves over. So what I have a feeling Ron DeSantis is going to do if this is sitting on his desk, he's going to call Disney and say, Look, man, I'm going to sign this thing. If I sign this thing, you're fucked. <laughs> and he's going to keep trying to prod him because he doesn't really want to sign this thing because it's going to cause some serious problems for his state. It's going to cost his state a lot of money and piss off a lot of people. Now, you have to understand what happened here. Why is this all happening? It's very simple. Of course, Ron DeSantis was behind this don't say gay bill. It's a ridiculous fucking unconstitutional bill. And the people of Disney, because they appeal to all kinds of people, they said, we disagree with you. And that's all they did is they disagreed with it. They didn't. They didn't try to um, overturn it. They didn't do anything political. They just said, we don't like it. And apparently that hurt Ron DeSantis's ego. So Ron DeSantis now wants to punish them. But let's look at that. You have a government who institutes some fucking ridiculous bill, some ridiculous law. And somebody, a business that is under the purview of the state of Florida, says, hey, we don't like that. So what's the first thing Ron DeSantis does? He threatens him, and then he attempts to punish him. Well, that sounds a lot like fascism to me, doesn't it, you? So I have a feeling when it comes down to it, DeSantis is going to play with this a little bit. He's not going to want to sign this bill because once he's done, he's fucked. Now, what you have to understand is he's, it's not like he's doing this to a restaurant or a gas station. Disney is immensely powerful, especially in Florida. Disney is probably the largest tourist destination in the state. A state where the entire economy, as I said, depends on tourism. 
Disney has a lot of money. I mean, a lot of fucking money and a lot of power. Not to mention probably a pretty formidable legal department. Do you really think they're just going to let Ron DeSantis do this? No fucking way. DeSantis is taking the bully route, and unless DeSantis backs off, this is going to go really badly for the state of Florida, and really badly for Ron DeSantis. You know, it's a lot like the situation we had in Texas with Abbott. You know, Abbott was trying to show his power and trying to uh, be a big shot, and when he closed things down, on the southern border and all these commercial trucks couldn't get in he was looking at everybody saying see see what i can do the problem is it affected the economy it affected a lot of businesses in texas because there were a lot of products not getting over the border so people couldn't get things to sell it was a fucked up mess things were backed up for miles and miles and miles and miles Well, eventually somebody talked to him and pointed out to him, Greg, this is a fucking bad idea. This is a stupid idea. So he backed off from it and he let it go and things got better. But then it was found out that this particular little stunt cost the state of Texas $9 billion. Yeah, how's that going to look on the election when uh, Beto O'Rourke says, this fuckhead cost you $9 billion for nothing? Oh, and by the way, the grid sucks. By the way, he's trying to undermine a constitutional right uh, for all women, and that would be the anti-abortion efforts he's making. So Greg Abbott is fucked, and he did everything he could to be like a big shot, but he fucked his own state. And this is exactly what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida. It's going to be as big as that, maybe bigger, because Disney is not going to let them fuck around. Disney is going to find a way to tear Ron DeSantis and anybody following him down. So Ron DeSantis is like every other fucking Republican. They're all about their own personal egos, and they will burn every bridge, scorch every section of earth just to save their ego. And it never works. It always caused them to crash and burn. So we'll be watching that one pretty closely. Now, speaking of idiots, (laughs) Marjorie Taylor Greene is scheduled to testify this morning in court in Georgia. She's going to be asked about her involvement with the January 6th insurrection. Now, the interesting thing is the press will be present in the courtroom. They can in a federal courtroom, but this is a state courtroom. Midas Touch uh, has a YouTube channel, and they will be streaming the hearing live. I think it's starting at 8.30 Eastern Time. Now, there's a good chance that her testimony will be done before you listen to this podcast. So you'll be hearing a lot of what happened in that Uh, that testimony. So what I'll do is I'll reserve comments to my TikToks today after the event, and then I'll talk more about it on this podcast tomorrow because I'll know more about what's going on. Now, everybody's saying to me, well, she'll just plead the fifth. Yeah, no, she's not going to do that. That doesn't do her any good. All the evidence is there. That's the thing about Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
You want to prove she's part of the insurrection, all you have to do is play the videotape and watch it come out of her mouth. If she decides not to talk in this uh, hearing, that's just going to work against her. The only reason she'd want to talk in this hearing is try to protect herself or try to explain herself. So let her plead the fifth. She'll fucking still lose. It doesn't fucking matter. And then after we do that with Marjorie Taylor Greene, they tried this same thing in North Carolina with Madison Cawthorn. And somehow they found a federal judge that says, yeah, we won't hear that. So they focused on Marjorie Taylor Greene. Once they finish with Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're going to go back to North Carolina. They're going to appeal it, and they will get the court case like they did in Georgia. Certain amount of precedents set in Georgia. But it's not going to stop there. This is going to start a domino effect. They're going to get Marjorie Taylor Greene. They're going to get Madison Cawthorn. Then they're going after Lauren Boebert, uh, Paul Gosar, Louis Gohmert, Tommy Tuberville, uh, Jim, um, all these fucks. They're going to go through all of them. And ultimately, as they build more precedence and they build more power by taking these people down, they'll be in a position to do the very same thing to Donald Trump. So there is a strategy to this. There is a plan of attack. And this event with Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to be just the start. As I said, it's probably going on now or already finished. I'll talk about it after it's done, so uh, be waiting for that. Now, it's also been announced that Donald Trump Jr. will testify in front of the January 6th committee. They want to talk to Jr. because of the texts that were released uh, that were between him and Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, his dad's chief of staff, where they pretty much outlined the strategies to overturn the election and overthrow the government. It's interesting that the Trump family is now willing to testify, just walk in and testify. Before that, they were, we're too important for that. We can't do that. We've got executive privilege, all this shit. But now they're walking in and doing that. And I think it has a large uh, part of it is that uh, some of this evidence is starting to be known by these people. They know they're in fucking trouble. They know that... uh, they could very well get indicted, prosecuted, and convicted. So about this time of day, (laughs) they're going to be looking at throwing Daddy Donnie under the fucking bus because they got too much life left. They've got businesses. They've got families. They can only hang with Daddy Donnie so long. They were there only for the money, and the money's running out. And when he gets exposed, there'll be zero money. He will be fucking done. And the last segment, let's talk about this. Did you hear that Alex Jones is in talks with the Department of Justice? Yeah, he's trying to get an immunity deal, which is weird. Because he's got trials going on with the Sandy Hook parents. And that's not going well. He tried to pay them off 120000 bucks a piece, and they said, fuck yourself. So then he decided to file bankruptcy, Chapter 11. That's where he is now with that. But now he's talking to the Department of Justice about an immunity deal. Well, you can't have an immunity deal with a civil court case, and that's what he's in. It's not for the civil court case. 
It's about the insurrection on January 6th. Now remember, he was a big cheerleader that day. He talked that day. He also led a group to the Capitol as the violence was starting. Now he says that, you know, I didn't do anything criminal that day. But uh, I'd still like to talk to you about an immunity deal. Well, that's kind of troubling, isn't it? I think that uh, that tells me a couple of things. It tells me there's a lot more going on in the DOJ with regards to the insurrection, more than we know. I mean, we've always been complaining about this with Merrick Garland and the DOJ. They're doing nothing about January 6th. Well, clearly, they are doing some things. Because if they weren't doing some things, Alex Jones wouldn't be looking for immunity. Now, I don't know if they'll give him immunity. I don't know all the things he might be guilty of and what he can give up. But we do know that Alex Jones and Donald Trump are pretty tight. We know that they were talking that day. So who knows what that can mean? Who knows what will come out of that? It'll be interesting to see if they, in fact, give him immunity. This also kind of tells me that people are hearing about stuff. You know, some of these people like Alex Jones, Don Jr., Ivanka, they're all hearing about this. And these fucks are getting scared. And shit's about to bust loose. You know, I listen to people on TikTok and I listen to um, people who DM me and that sort of thing. And they say, nothing's happening with the insurrection. They're just all going to get away with it. And that's absolute bullshit. That's not true. Clearly, there is a lot going on. There isn't a lot that we know, but it's starting to leak out slowly but surely. We've got, uh, it sounds like June now, we've got the uh, televised hearings. And that's when the shit's going to blow the roof off the house. Because once that starts coming out, there's going to be all kinds of problems. Don't believe me? Let's just go back to those tapes with Kevin McCarthy talking to Liz Cheney about enacting the 25th Amendment or asking Donald Trump to resign. We would have never thought we'd hear anything like that, but there we go. Now I'm sure all these people that were involved in Congress and in the White House are thinking to themselves, what else is recorded? Now, the people that were the authors of this book say, oh, yeah, we got lots more tapes. We're just letting this out to be kind of a teaser, you know, but we've got a lot more tapes. And with those tapes, that's going to implicate a lot of people, a lot of people who thought they were safe up to this point. But this is how it's going to go. And I've been telling you this and telling you this. Democrats have to have some plan of attack. They've got a lot of information about the insurrection, and it's slowly but surely coming out. Between now and November, a lot of shit's going to come out. The televised hearings are going to come out, and it's going to be an absolute mess for the Republicans come the midterms. You're going to maybe see some people that are expelled from Congress. You're going to see some people that are forced not to be able to run for re-election at any time for any fucking thing. And it may go as deep as Donald Trump. I think that's the one thing everybody is most concerned about. Everybody seems to be concerned about Donald Trump running again in 2024. Everybody, that is, other than me, because I don't think he will run. I don't think he'll be able to run. 
that's not even going to be an issue. And when he gets to that point, he'll see very clearly that he has no chance of winning. And somebody like Donald Trump is not going to get into a fight if he knows he's going to lose. He's a coward. It's just not going to happen. So we're starting to see some of the effects of the January 6th committee and some of the other things going on with the lawsuits and that sort of thing. It's trickling out now, but ultimately it's going to come out in big chunks. And then there's going to be a presentation at the end of this investigation with the January 6th committee, and they're going to lay everything out in uncertain, no uncertain terms. And, and this is going to be replayed and replayed and shoved down people's throat. And what they're going to do is exactly what the Republicans do. They're going to control the narrative. They're going to saturate the media with this red meat for the liberals in this situation. And there's going to be no room for the Republicans to talk. The Republicans are going to get beat the very way they've beaten the Democrats over and over again. They're going to overwhelm them with facts. The only difference between the Republicans and the Democrats, these facts that the Democrats have are truly facts. They're real. They're true. They're not conspiracy theories. They're not lies. They're not bullshit. And it's going to be hard for the Republicans to fight against this, especially when you got somebody like Kevin McCarthy saying, I never said that. And then, and then they pull out a recording with him saying exactly that. Kevin McCarthy's in a lot of trouble right now. He looks like a fool to the Republicans, and you can bet that Donnie Trump is very fucking pissed at this point. He and Kevin are no longer going to be friends. If they were sitting together in a room, Donald Trump would stand up, call him a name, and then stomp out of there like he's known to do. It's going to be kind of entertaining. These people are going to be constantly exposed for things, and it's going to be proven, and... uh, They aren't going to know what to do. There's going to be a lot of people trying to jump ship now and trying to bail and trying to get cover. Uh, But frankly, at this point, the people who were involved in the insurrection, there's no coming home from that. You did it. It is against our country. And you're going to pay the price ultimately. And if you tell me nothing's happening... and nothing is going to happen, I'm going to get pissed because you're clearly not paying attention. There is a lot of shit going on. Far more shit than we've ever seen before. And if you tell me nothing's going on and nothing's happening, that tells me that you're buying into the Republican bullshit. And if you buy into the Republican bullshit, I got nothing for you. I don't want to talk to you because you're being too stupid to grasp this. You really got to look at what's going on and understand what's happening. And if you can't see it, just trust me, this shit is happening and the seams are coming apart for the Republicans. It's just a matter of time. They're going to kind of run this out slowly so nobody forgets about it come November. But it's all coming out and it's not going to be good for the Republicans. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for spending time with me today. If you have questions, comments, complaints, all you have to do is uh, send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and you can leave a voicemail message. Always love hearing from you. All right, you have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. 
Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.